our new sermon series, as DJ was mentioning, is called Level Up. And we were talking about, you know, what we would teach this fall and what we were thinking about. And, and we kept thinking, well, how can we go to the next level? Oh, wait, we could call it Level Up. And so, <clears throat> well, we got a little geeky. And we started talking about all of the ways that video games could teach us something about life. And so, uh, we're going to be talking about that over the next couple of weeks. But it got me thinking about my history with video games. So, does anybody know what this is? All right, yeah, Atari 2600, okay? This was my first video game console that we ever had. And just so that you understand how old this is, there's a switch on there that says TV type, color, and black and white, all right? Just so that those of you that are younger, you don't even know what a black and white TV is, probably. But this was the coolest thing. And I remember getting this and being so excited because it was the first time we had ever seen anything like this, right? And the games, they were amazing. I mean, look at this one. Look at the graphics on that. Isn't that amazing? This one's called Combat. They were clever with the titles too, right? So these are tanks, everybody, and they're, and they're shooting at each other. So uh, Combat was great. Uh, another one was my favorite was Super Breakout. Anybody play this one? So it's like Pong, right? And you want to bounce the little ball up and, and hit the little bricks. But here's the secret, okay? If you can get a hole on the side and get the thing to bounce along the top, it'll just go nuts, right? Yeah, okay. Sorry, a little bit geeky. This one is called Adventure. They were great with titles, weren't they? I don't know if you know this. This is a castle, right? And uh, this is a key, and I think that's a gate, and this is you. Uh, so the graphics left something to the imagination where you had to sort of, you know, put some of that together. But I think, and I, I, somebody argued with me after the first service, but I think that the pinnacle of the Atari 2600 was this game here, Pitfall, all right? It came out about the same time as Indiana Jones, right? And I love Indiana Jones, so you know, now you can go on your own adventure. And so these are alligators, okay? And the goal is to get from one side to the other without being eaten. And a millimeter to one way and you were eaten, a millimeter to the other way and you were in the drink. So either way. But, you know, I thought that was, it couldn't get any better than that, right? I thought, man, this is great. And then... 1985, all right? The Nintendo Entertainment System. Did anybody have one of these? Yeah? If you look in your closet, is there still one of these sitting somewhere? I remember when this came out. Now, I never had one, uh, but I would go over to every friend's house that did and be like, hey, it's nice to see you. Can we play your Nintendo? You know, can we, can we just play? And I think, like, the best game on that was Super Mario Brothers, right? You could probably tell by the video that DJ and I like Super Mario Brothers. Um, and so Super Mario, right, he's this little guy here. And I, I just, I thought, well, I'd give you a little demo, right? This is not me playing. Uh, but here's Mario, right? And he's jumping along, and he gets these power-ups that make him bigger and stronger. And the goal is to not die, basically. Uh, the goal is to get from one side to the other. And, uh, and you know, here's this, he's getting a, a fire flower, and I'm thankful that we don't have these in real life because I would have burnt down my house by now if I had access to one of these. So Mario is amazing. And I remember being so excited about this. But then, like, life got busy. Mario, are you done now? A little bit further. Um, life got busy. And we grew up and we went off to college. And, and I got married and, and things got busier. And we had kids. 
and sort of forgot about that until this came out. The Nintendo Wii. How many of you had one of these? Right? Did you know they sold 101 million of these things? That's just amazing. So we had one, and we were playing it, and my folks were over, and we were playing bowling, and, uh, uh, which is why they invented the wrist strap, right? So you don't actually bowl the controller into the TV. But my folks came over, and my dad absolutely loved it. He was in his 70s at the time, and uh, he said, hey, do you think we could get one of those over at our house? Like, yes, of course I do. So my dad had one over at the house, and they bowled all the time. You know, these, this was an amazing piece of equipment because it, everywhere from preschoolers loved playing this to teenagers to college students to, to retirement homes, uh, everywhere in between. An amazing piece of technology. And I think probably the best game on there was Super Mario for the Wii, and my kids and I would play this for hours. And the coolest thing about this is you could play four people at once on a screen, you think it's crazy to just have one player going on? Imagine four of you jumping on each other's heads as you're playing this. Um, and these games meant a lot to me. And they were very fun. But then, uh, so I have a point, right? You're like, are we just going to talk about video games all morning? Maybe. But uh, why? Why do we play video games? Why do we do them? Well, the easy answer is they're fun, Right? The easy answer is, it's a lot of fun to play the video game, especially a good one, right? Uh, you can uh, experience something. You can, you know, get away from real life for a little while. You can find a distraction. You can, um, you can level up. You can play with your friends. It has a clear goal and an adventure that brings you along, right? And at the end of the day, you can say, I did that. In fact, that Mario game I just showed you, I, I did all of the levels minus one that I could never beat still bothers me to this day. I'll go back, maybe. But the reason we play them is a distraction. But I'm going to propose to you that the reason that video games are so effective and so enticing to us is that they're attempting to latch on to something in the human heart, something in the human soul that they've found that they're trying to sell you. And that's to fill a void, to fill a hole a series of discontentment within us. That video games are an attempt to escape from real life. To, they know that there's something that you're missing and the video games are going after that. Look, you can be a hero. You can do this, you can do that. And you've completed that level, don't worry, there's something else that you can level up to and you can do that and you can achieve. And that whole time, they're trying to sort of fill that, that, that hole that's in us. But does it? Well, they keep selling consoles. They keep selling video games. It's $70 for a Switch game these days, and people buy them, self-included. But they don't quite fill it. I mean, we keep thinking that they might, but at the end of the day, we're still left with that. A nagging sense that something is missing. That there's a hole that hasn't quite been satisfied, a hole that hasn't been filled. Now, maybe video games just doesn't sort of resonate with you, and Mark, I'm not getting this. Um, let me put it in some different language, all right? So, this is a nice sort of starter home, we would call this, right? 
A young married couple would be excited to move into this, right? Look, a space of our own. We don't have apartment life. We've got a front yard. We can have friends over. We can play games. We can barbecue. And you live in that for a while, and you're excited about it. And then one day, you're sort of driving through the neighborhoods, and you see this. Oh, look at that. They got a little porch there. That's nice. Think of oh, a little bit more space. That would be great, right? And then we could have some friends over. And then you go back home and you're like, man, does this seem small all of a sudden? Right? And then so maybe you move into this house and you upgrade the house like we do in America. You know, well, we're going to get a bigger house because the kids are getting bigger or whatnot. So you move into that place. And then these little flags go out in the neighborhoods, right? You see them every fall, right? It says Parade of Homes, right? What's that? Well, you can go around and look at other houses that might be a little bit better than yours, and you think to yourself, wow, mine doesn't seem so great anymore, right? Because then you see this, and you go, wow, wouldn't that be amazing to live in that? Does it come with a butler? I hope it comes with a chef. I could do without the butler, but definitely, okay, well, the whole staff, I'll need a whole staff to go with that one. And eventually we think, if only I could be in that, wouldn't I be happy? I mean, wouldn't that be amazing to live in that? Wouldn't that fill that, that nagging sense of not quite enough? That's the same thing video games are going after. Okay, let's try again. Maybe you think, you know, I like camping, and we've been tenting for a while, but, you know, maybe now it's time to get a little camper. Right, and we can, we can bring this little camper around and we can go to the park and we can go to the campground and it's just great. We've got everything in there. You tow it, you set it up, good to go. But then you pull up to the campsite and you see this. Oh, look at that. They've got an awning. That's nice. I bet they've got a little kitchen in there too. Wouldn't that be nice? I wonder if they've got air conditioning. So maybe you upgrade and you think, okay, I'll, you know, we're so excited. We're so happy with our new RV. We're just very excited about it. We're going to travel everywhere. And then you pull into a campsite and you see that. <laughs> Dude, look at that. The car fits underneath. I don't know if you get this. Like you drive the car and then it's underneath. I need that. Right? Then I would be the perfect, this is camping to me, right? So this isn't camping. This is driving around your house. So, maybe you have one of these. If you do, uh, come to me afterwards. I'd like to go for a ride. So, we try and every time we get something, we think, oh man, that's just not quite enough. And we try and sort of level up our lives. And we try and fill something. We're going after something. We're striving for something better, but we're never content with what we have. It's kind of like this, okay? If and then then. Like, if I had this, then I would be happy. If I had this, then I would be content. Have you ever said something like that? You know, if I were more fit, then I would be happy. I, I just need to get in shape this year, and then everything will come together, right? Or if I had a better car, right, then I'd just be satisfied. You know, my car is getting a little old. If I had something nicer or, or red, uh, then I would be happy. Or if I had more money, you know, you need the money to buy that car. If I just had a little bit more money, then I'd be happy. You know, if I could just buy the things that I think I need, then I'd be happy. It, maybe if I had more friends, then I wouldn't be lonely. 
Or if I had a better job, I could buy more friends and buy the stuff that I need, right? And, and then I would be content. Or maybe after you've chased that down, after you've found a better job, you realize that you work too much. Maybe if I had more time off, then I could relax and I'd be happy and rested, right? I'm just stressed out from working too much. Or maybe it's, it's just being in town that's the problem. Maybe if I had a lake cabin, right? Then I could go off to the lake and then I would be relaxed and happy, right? I know what meaning, owning a cabin means. It means working at the cabin too. And maybe we do this with God too. Maybe if I was better, God would bless me. Maybe if I just, I don't know, was more dedicated, then God would bless me. See, there's that discontentment. It's never enough. We search and we search and we try and satisfy those longings, but it just never does, does it? No matter what we do, the stuff that we buy, it doesn't satisfy us. The things that we have, the people that we know, it doesn't satisfy it and we're left longing. But we distract ourselves all the time so that we don't feel that anymore. We distract ourselves so that we, we don't even notice. But if we just pause for a moment, we'll realize that. If we just pause for a moment and think about it, we all have that problem. But the problem is as old as the hills. It's nothing new. If you go into scripture, it's, you see all kinds of examples. I love going back to Adam and Eve. It's where it all started, right? Adam and Eve. Here's a situation that's sweet, in my opinion. They're living in paradise. They're in a garden. There's no winter, let me say that, right? And it's just a beautiful place, and they're walking around with the Lord. How amazing would that be? And the first opportunity they, they get, they think, God, if I could only eat from that tree, then I might be happy. If I only had the knowledge of good and evil, then I might be happy. Jump ahead. King David, he ruled over all of Israel. He was an amazing warrior. He had everything he wanted, riches, anything that his heart would desire. Except he saw this girl, this young woman who was married to another guy. And he thought, if only I had her, then I would be happy. How about the disciples? Again, you know, I often said, if I could just ask Jesus face to face this question. And here they have the opportunity. They're walking around with Jesus. They could ask him any question that they want. And the question that they keep asking him is, hey, are we going to restore the kingdom now? Is now the time that we're going to turn Israel back into a kingdom? Because they kept thinking that that might make them happy, that that might be the thing that would satisfy See, nothing on earth can satisfy you. Money can't satisfy you. Experiences can't satisfy you. You know, I hear this all the time. Like, we're, we don't want to buy stuff for our kids. We're going to give them experiences. Well, that's all in well and good, but that's not going to satisfy either. You can travel all over the world, and it won't satisfy that longing. We can have stuff, and it won't satisfy that longing. You know, Young couples have this sort of radar around them, right? This, this disillusionment field, uh, you know, where like everything is just rosy all the time. You know, I've, I've met that person and they're going to complete me and oh, I'm so excited and my life is going to be great. 
Well, I said this at the earlier service. I've been married 26 years, and I love my wife. Don't get me wrong. But your spouse will not satisfy you. Your spouse cannot and will not fill that longing in that hole. Love here on earth will never fill that hole. But there's hope. There's hope. And the story in the Bible that says it so clearly to me is the woman at the well. The woman is a Samaritan woman, and she has, uh, she has a rough life, and she's been outcast by her society that she lives in. And so she goes to the well in the middle of the day because she doesn't go with the rest of the women in the morning. And so she goes to the well, and Jesus is there. And Jesus says to her, can you get me something to drink from the well? And she says, who are you that you would ask me? You're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. There were cultural differences. And Jesus responds, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, and you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Living water. And she said to him, where do you get that water? You don't have anything to draw from. And he responds, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, you're thirsty. We're all thirsty. But drinking from this well of earthly things, of earthly pleasures, of earthly love will never satisfy that deep, dark longing that is somewhere below us. It can't. It won't. The only thing that can satisfy that is the living water that Jesus gives. If you drink of this, you won't be thirsty again. But what is that? What is that living water? It's the power of God working in us. See, the world is lying to you, right? We built in a society that functions on consumerism. So the goal is to make you unhappy so that you buy more stuff to keep the economy running. The world has been lying that that stuff will actually satisfy you. That's what all the commercials and the marketing are designed to do, to make you think that this will solve your problem. Once I get this, then I'll be happy. But it's a lie. There's only one thing that can satisfy you. That is God working in your heart. It's the love of God. See, God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. And for all eternity, they have been in communion loving one another. And that love spills out. And that love chases after us. And that perfect love is available to us. And it's the only thing that we can satisfy. When Jesus is talking about the water of life, the living water, he's talking about the love of God powering you, the love of God enhancing you, the love of God washing over you. He says in Matthew 11, come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You will find rest for your souls. Because it's exhausting seeking after that thing that we're after, seeking after the thing that we think will satisfy our thirst, but we're only left more thirsty. But Jesus and the love of God is what satisfies that. The love of God is what can fill that, is what can give us peace and joy. 
When they say the peace of God be upon you, it is the love of Christ satisfying that. Satisfying that longing. And man, do I want that for me. And do I want that for you. I want you to know the peace and the love of God so much. I want to know it so much. And as the song said, I've searched the world. Nothing can satisfy but that. And that's what I believe God is calling atonement to do. God is calling us to trust in him, to trust in the Holy Spirit, and to let him satisfy us. And part of that is just stop being so distracted with other things. So that's why we're preaching this fall about leveling up. It's not us trying to make ourselves better, but it is us trying to establish some patterns that will allow us to trust in God that will allow us to rely upon him, to drink of the water that he offers, the water that only can satisfy us. But it's going to take some work. And it's not work designed for us to save us. It's work to stop being distracted with other things. Have you ever driven on this road? Maybe not this particular road, but a road that has ruts like this. When you drive on a road that has ruts like that, what happens? The car wants to drive in the ruts, right? Like if you, you got to work to get it out of that rut. You got to work to to not fall into that. The default is to be sucked into those ruts. We have ruts in our own life. These ruts are things that distract us, that suck us away from trusting in God, that suck us away from being connected with God. These ruts are a problem, and it takes work to get out of them. See, ruts are unintentional. They're just sort of the default. You know, this is what happened in my life. But we're going to build trenches, because trenches, unlike ruts, are intentional. We're going to set new defaults. We're going to set new practices that will allow us to trust in God. We're going to develop trenches that when we get distracted, our default will be back to trust in God rather than seek from the world. And DJ and I probably shouldn't have too much time alone. But we came up with power up as the trenches that we want to reestablish. We want to learn to pray. We want to offer ourselves and our resources. We want to worship our God. We want to endure through suffering. We want to read scripture. We want to uplift our neighbor and we want to provide for one another. These are new trenches, new practices that we're going to establish that will allow us to find and satisfy that thirst, to know the love of God here in this place because God is chasing after you and he's chasing after me and he's saying, stop being so distracted with the rest of the world. Trust me, find me, enjoy the peace that I offer. Come to me, you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Because God is full of love chasing after each and every one of you. And his goodness seeks after you. And he wants that for you. And I believe he wants this for atonement. I believe he is calling us this season to level up our trust of him. I believe he is calling us to trust him anew. I believe that God is calling us because we can be a beacon for one another We can be a beacon for our community. We can be a beacon for Fargo-Moorhead and the world. 
Look how we found peace and joy. Look how that thirst has been satisfied and quenched only through him and his power. This is what he's calling us to in this season. This is what he wants for us because it's good for us, because it gives us peace, because it will allow us to flourish, not as more work for us, but as the right work for us. This is what he is calling. This is what I want for you. This is what he wants for us. What a joy he will bring for us. Think about your life, how it could be different if God's love and peace washed over you each and every day. Life would be a joy. And that's what we're called to as Christians. That's what he offers for us. Let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, we are here because we are searching for something to satisfy our longing. Whether or not we know it, we have a deep longing that, that we've tried to satisfy. We've tried with stuff. We've tried with earthly goods. We've tried with earthly relationships. We've tried with activities. But nothing satisfies, Lord. But you knew that because you created us. And you knew that. And you knew we would need a way to trust in you. So you came to earth, died for our sins, and said, rely upon me. For my love is overwhelming. My love can wash over you. So Lord, teach us to trust that. Teach us to establish new trenches that will allow us, new practices that will allow us to trust in you when we want to stray. Lord, this is what you're calling us to do here at Atonement. Teach us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to find out more about faith in Jesus Christ or more about atonement, you can connect with us at atonementfargo.org or text us at 701-800-1009.